probably the biggest thing I've taken away. And again, it's because we're focusing on it is probably communication and trust, right? So like you have to have good communication and trust with all of your clients and the people that you work with. Today, I'm sitting down with Landon Shaw, who is the co-founder of Sweatpants Agency. They focus on Facebook, email, creative, pretty much everything and anything that goes into scaling e-commerce brands. And today we're going to be mainly talking about how to run and operate a agency at a bigger scale. So communication, um, clients, etc. You don't want to miss this one. I'm Nikita from aspectagency.com and let's get into the podcast. Hey Landon, what's going on? Pleasure to hey. have you on the Scaling E-Commerce podcast. How is it going? It's going good, man. Yeah, happy to be here. I know we've known each other for quite some time now. I think, did we meet at Hydra the first time or was it at Geek Out? It actually was before that. It was at like, a, we went to a dinner meetup. That's with right. A bunch, of, bunch of people in Nashville. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Because I remember it was in between that time. It was just a really big grind period for me. So everything is just like a big blur. Um, but yeah, man, I'm glad to have you on. I know you're one of the co-founders of the sweat. Is it the Sweatpants Agency or is it just Sweatpants Agency? Just Sweatpants Agency. Fantastic. And how did you get into the whole agency space as a whole? Because I know, you know, you guys do email, you guys do Facebook ads, you do creative as well, right? Uh, I guess like, how did you even, how did you get into marketing as a whole? Sure. Well, I think, I think I got into it like most people did. So it was like 2016-ish um, that I got serious online with marketing. Uh, and it was like the drop shipping route. It was like, oh, how to make passive income. It's like, okay, cool. This is going to support my other businesses while I do this on the side. And so with all of the things that come with drop shipping, starting stores online, you have to figure out, okay, Facebook ads. Cool. So I dove pretty deep into Facebook ads, found a few courses, and then ultimately ended up working with some killer uh, marketing guys. Uh, I realized I got to get really good at this. So the best way to learn that is to join another team, have them teach me. Uh, and so I did that for a while. And uh, that kind of led me to going, I could do this on my own. This is a much easier business model. Started my own business, uh, culture marketing and culture marketing took off in about 2018, 2019, um, early 2019. And uh, that kind of got bought by Sweatpants Agency mm -hmm. and the origins of Sweatpants Agency. So it's co-founder, acting, uh, kind of like operating owner, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we started seriously scaling out Sweatpants Agency in about 2019, 2020. Um, and that's kind of what brought me here. That's fantastic. I know you guys have had a ton of success uh, over the last few years, just running the agency, you know, having scaled a ton of stores. Um, and brands of all sizes. Now, what is like a main acquisition channel that you guys use? Because I know you guys are testing out with Instagram, um, retargeting as well as Facebook and, and whatnot. So how is that going? So that's going okay. I mean, our main our main source of uh, of clients is referrals. So we have quite a few really solid relationships that kick back a lot of referrals to us. And that's primarily how, so like some people some VCs out there that are in the e-com space. Uh, that's one way, same with B2B. So we have a good mixture of B2B and B2C clients. Uh, and so, yeah, we have recently been testing out some advertising, trying to get a little bit more of a handle on, uh, you know, predictively knowing and estimating kind of what 
deal flow we're going to be getting. So we've been doing some paid ads on Facebook for ourselves, a little bit on Reddit and uh, some kind of promoted posts on Twitter, primarily getting most leads from Facebook, um, but most leads have been trash. So it's still a learning process. We just started this month. Um, so we're at the very beginning of this of this journey uh, uh, of testing on paid ads, but we don't know if that's going to end up being a strong channel for us or not. I guess it's sort of a, a core value of ours, um, but it's more of just a general attribute. We let the water run while it will, where it goes. So we're very simple. We kind of work with, we're like, we're like jujitsu. We just kind of let the weight of everything around us like control itself in terms of power while we just have, well, uh, we let that power itself while we control it. And so a lot of the time that's a lot of hard work and a long time. And that's kind of what built up our referral uh, business at this point. So that's kind of my internal game while we build out these other processes is continue to build out these partnerships and relationships that really kind of build up the, the flows because they're reliable and word of mouth is the easiest thing to close in the world. So it makes it easy on the sales side as well. But paid ads, yeah, we're doing those right now. Still working out the quality, uh, but I think we have a good next steps. Really, are kind of more landing page side things. So we've revamped our website, and uh, we're looking at how we qualify people. That's the primary thing. And once we get a handle on which questions we think are really our money questions, we'll start testing optimizing specifically for how those questions are answered uh, within Facebook. Uh, it's kind of our secret sauce to some other B two B stuff that we do, but. That's pretty much where we're at right now. Yeah, the referral side of things is just amazing because I'm starting to build up those relationships myself. And it's just like, hey, can you send over an intro? Sends over an intro. And it's almost like a one call close at that point because the reputation of the person that refer referred you is already backing you up. And <clears throat> it just works so well. And on the ad side of things, it's I've actually talked to another guy that we met. Or I don't know if you met him, but I met him at Agency Founders. He also runs another marketing agency, of course, but he mentioned to me trying out TikTok ads and I'm like, why not Facebook ads? Isn't that the easiest? They have the biggest data pool. He's like, well, with Facebook ads, you do have a ton of, you know, leverage there with data, but for the most part, it's a lot of drop shippers that come in. And when they do have, they do also have a, like funny enough, they have a qualifying process through a type form. So everyone has to go through a type form. And if they have you know, below a certain income or, or not income below a certain, you know, monthly revenue or monthly run rate, they usually just ask them, Hey, are you drop shipping? And if they answer, yeah, they immediately get disqualified and they immediately get um, added to like the exclusion list on Facebook, TikTok, whatever. <laughs> so nice. it's, it's funny that you mentioned that in the beginning of the call. And as I'm getting retargeted by your ads on my feed, I was like, okay, I definitely got to chat with you about that. So when it comes down to the agency and, and running the day-to-day, -day, what do you mainly specialize in? Because I know you briefly talked about that you're doing the op side of things. Yeah, yeah, kind of uh, like I've said, Eric and I, so we, we're very much let the water run where it will. We've, we don't really have titles. We don't really care about most of these uh, uh, most of these things. We've divided things out based on where we've fallen. Eric has the stronger side of the relationships with these people. And so when they come in, it makes sense to talk to him. Uh, so he does more of the inbound sales, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm a little bit more like, I wouldn't say organized because I wouldn't call myself organized, but I'm a little bit more focused on process 
and some of these more like management style approaches to to dealing with people. And so I do a little bit more of the like COO type role stuff. So I do a lot of the team building, a mm-hmm. lot of the team calls. Like I just got off our, our Monday call um, and how these calls are structured, how we decide what to optimize for, how we build out the teams um, and basically what our pod structure looks like, especially on the paid media side, boiling it down to just like a unicorn rock star. But anyways, that's a different conversation. Uh, and that's typically what I do. So uh, we we kind of share some accounts for the most part. We're pretty much on a day-to-day basis out of all accounts across mm-hmm. our 35, 40 accounts. And uh, that goes the same on email, paid media, creative, all that fun stuff. Yeah. The one thing that I couldn't figure out, or at least I couldn't crack myself is doing everything at once. Um, because I used to do that. I used to have, you know, I used to run Facebook ads. I used to have creative. I used to have email as a service and it got so overwhelming to the point where it's just like, man, I really want to blow my brains out. This is too much. (laughs) Um, so (laughs) that funny enough led me to pivoting into specifically email or just niching down into that, um, that sector, because number one, it's like when you niche down, it's a lot easier to understand what's going on and we can go deeper into the subject and we've had the highest success rate on that channel. Um, so how do you juggle between all these different channels within such a big organization? Cause you said you have 35, 40 accounts. Like that's a lot of clients. That's a lot of communication, a lot of cadences. So walk me through that. When we go to the different things that we offer, it's all been cyclical. It's never really all at one time. And we knew that we wanted to bring on all these different services. We wouldn't be able to handle them all at one time. And that was really when we first started getting aggressive on growing uh, sweatpants agency. We were paid media primarily. That was like our flagship offer. And so that's what we sold. Everything else we did on the side was either semi-referral slash we would kind of do it in-house, but we didn't get serious about offering another service that was so different like email until we said, hey, we see a lot of our clients needing this, uh, asking us for referrals on it. And we both have a lot of experience in referrals, Eric and I, my business partner. So first thing we did was we built out a beta offer for email. Nothing was built yet. We just said, Hey, this is what we're going to be offering for email, but we'll get you in on a beta price if you're interested in testing it out with us. And I did it all in two weeks. The only thing I didn't do by myself was the design. My first thing is like, I'm on a designer because I've been Q4 Thanksgiving. I'm at the dinner table, like at 12 o'clock at night, building out these emails, trying to play around with like, am I going to do a Canva image or am I going to build these things out? Like, no, I'm on a real designer who's building these things out. Um, and so that was the first hire. We had two weeks before we had to get actually started in, in, in Clavio. Found a rock star designer, brought him on. I wrote all the copy. We had six accounts in, in, in two weeks. And uh, and yeah, we, we kind of, it was a little bit of a grind. And I think to most things, like you're talking about juggling so many different things for a while. If you want to build something out with a lot of intentionality, you build the process in mind and you kind of, to your capacity, do it all until you know what to hand off and how to hand it off. Because you don't know what part of something you want to hand off until you've done it. And because I've done email for three, four years before even starting with sweatpants agency, uh, we, uh, I had a solid process of what I'm good at, what I'm not good at. I'm not good at design. 
very, very much not good at design. And so that was what I knew I needed to hand off first. So then we built out, okay, got another designer because it was a lot of capacity. Then we found a copywriter and it kind of grew from there until it was big enough to where I wasn't able to do anything other than strategize for these different accounts and communicate with them. So we thought, okay, we've built this system. Now let's hand it off to somebody. We found a killer head of uh, email. And so we brought her on and now she manages everything. I don't really ever touch Clavio other than looking at reporting and kind of keeping up with what's going on in terms of trends on email. And uh, we sync just to kind of brainstorm on things, which helps me share some ideas in terms of, you know, looking at KPIs and being very much focused on data-driven decisions while also kind of getting kicked back on, uh, you know, trends, creative things that we're working on, you know, promotions that are working and kind of brainstorming from there to be still a part of the process. So in that area, I've been able to remove myself from email. Same thing with paid media. So for now, most of the things I focus on is high level client communication to make sure that everyone's still happy. And that's the only sentiment that we focus on, by the way. Um, like the only targetable metric that we have internally is client sentiment. Mm-hmm. Um, the metrics will follow client sentiment. Uh, so uh, after that, I, it's more of like the metrics. I go into the accounts. I look at things and I say, hey, what if we did this? And we do some like brainstorm sessions. We have some one-on-ones that we do in team calls where we look at these things and it's kind of the training ground for everybody to share what's working and all upskill together. Yeah, absolutely. I I had a similar process myself where, you know, if I can't do something really well or I can't knock it out of the park myself, then I shouldn't be touching it. Or the second rule is, you know, if I can listen to a podcast or have something else going on in the background while I'm doing this, this needs to be automated because this isn't worth my time or my brain power. So right. I follow those two rules. And luckily with those two, it's it's helped me, you know, hire a rock star designer that has increase the client satisfaction for all of our email clients and whatnot. And it just goes to show that if you're very systems oriented, which I think you and I are are in the same boat here, where I just like to see the overview, create the flow charts, create the processes, the SOPs. Um, I know the general idea of what needs to be done. It's just, I need someone to push the button, pull the lever. Then if you can find the right person for that role, then, you know, you don't really have to worry about that aside from having those client communications or the strategy or the reporting, which is what I mostly take care of now for our clients on a day to day. Now, you talked about measuring the client satisfaction. Like, how do you specifically measure that? Because I'm actually interested on and actually just diving deeper. Yeah. So we have a matrix and it's basically how often and what type of communication are we offering and where do we think that the client is in terms of satisfaction? And so it's mm-hmm. a ranking out of five, uh, basically, uh, don't know, which is a very important, you know, that points you in a very good direction of like, well, let's find out why. Um, number two is, well, that's actually zero. And the number one is uh, not satisfied results and communication are not there. Number two, uh, mid-satisfied, then uh, uh, that's like, results are there, but the communication is bad. So we don't really actually know exactly how happy they are, even though Mm -hmm. results are there, which is weird because we have clients like that where it's like the results are there, but they still seem unhappy about something. Um, Some of that's education. Some of it's relational things that we can fix. Uh, Then it's satisfied. Like results are not there, but the communication is solid. 
And so we always know, we we truly believe that trust and communication, the relationship, when it's really strong, that carries you through bad times because the way that we communicate kind of really builds a team effort with the client. Uh, and then the last one is satisfied, obviously. Clients happy because the results are there and the communication is there. And then we look at the types of communication. Um, are we only responding on Slack? Are we initiating conversations on Slack? Are we showing up to calls, obviously? And then are we initiating calls? Like, hey, we should jump on a call and talk about this. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like a relationship. You know, you're courting somebody. There's a degree of like how much, who is seeking the other person? And if if they're constantly seeking us and we're, you know, playing it cool, that's not really a good sign. I mean, that might work in relationships, but that's not really a good sign for a client if, you know, they're the ones that's constantly reaching out at a certain point, we should develop almost an SOP on the types of questions that they ask and get hints on what their, what their needs are in a normal relationship. Right. So like if they're constantly asking about X metric, then maybe we need to start focusing on that more uh, as a metric that we optimize for. For instance, one brand was focused on churn rate. Like we were growing the subscription list, but the churn rate had turned up so much because of all the discount subscriptions that we had gotten over the holidays. Mm -hmm they're focusing on churn rate. And all of a sudden we started talking about churn rate before they started talking about churn rate. And so while the results weren't there for a while, they were super happy that we're the ones looking at, oh, it looks like we got churn rate down this way because we also have control of their email, which is kind of why we want to control it. Um, we're able to do some you know, ninja man maneuvers to kind of start curbing some of that churn rate, which is particularly one effort that we did. We love, we love like longer tail subscriptions. So if you have an option to do an annual subscription, at the right time in the person's relationship with you, ask them to upgrade to another subscription and give them a discount for it. But anyways, that's also another conversation. <laughs> yeah, it's I've had to learn the hard way of churning through clients before I realized like you have to be very proactive on the client communication side. Because for me, it was like, oh, the results are good. Like, why do we need to talk? Like, what the like you hired us to do the results? Yes. And, and then you realize like, okay, they just left out of nowhere because we just didn't communicate them with enough. That has taught me like, okay, be proactive, always pitch new ideas um, at the right time at the right place. Obviously, you know, you can't pitch new ideas when you're fixing their mistakes from the other agency that they had. But um, essentially just having that proactive communication is very important. Pitching new ideas or always be on the ball. Like for one client's mainly designed for another client is like new offers. And you have a, like, I might have to steal that playbook of like figuring out which specific uh, client requires which specific type of communication because obviously each client is different and one is seeking design one is seeking performance one is seeking offers okay so how do we label that you know we can label that internally in slack or in our ClickUp board what have you but i guess like what's like the biggest takeaway you've learned just in the agency space overall when it comes down to it in terms of the biggest take takeaway operating inside of an agency the probably the biggest thing I've taken away, and again, it's because we're focusing on it is probably communication and trust, right? So like you have to have good communication and trust with all of your clients and the people that you work with. So like my media buyers need to trust that I'm out for their best interest and I need to trust them that they're taking ownership of the accounts. The communication needs to be really strong there. That keeps everybody rowing in the same direction because as soon as somebody starts rowing in a different direction and we're all sitting in the same boat, you can feel that things get a little bit harder. And that happens on the client level and internally. Eric and I probably call each other three times a day on average. 
Mm. Even if it's for just a five to 10 minute check-in on, hey, this is something I'm working on, uh, just keeping you updated because we do have a lot of overlap in the things that we work on in a day-to-day basis because we're it's really just to make sure that we're rowing in the same direction. Um, and we're so in sync that we're like the same brain. Uh, and I think that has a lot to do with the speed of our growth and success, not only as an agency, but in the performance that we deliver to our clients, because we are up leveling together inside of the agency as marketers and, you know, and like a lot of areas in life in general, communication is way more important than most people think it's the, probably the most underrated thing. And it's actually one of our core values out of five. It's probably the top one. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those things where it takes a lot of effort in order to have the right communication cadences. Like you have to make the time for it because if you don't, it just slips up. And at that point you get into a residual habit of just not communicating enough. And that's when things are a little like uncertain um, or at least I noticed that on the employee side where they're like uncertain, like, Hey, is everything going on? You know, you haven't checked in in the last few days. And it's like, yeah, everything's been going fine. I've just been deep into, you know, reworking these SOPs or I've been doing content or whatever it is. Having that, I guess, open line of communication with employees is always important. Cause I always try to say like, Hey, if anything ever comes up, please let me know. Or if anything you want to chat through, you have questions about, please let me know. I'm more than happy to you know, explain that through. And obviously we're at different scales here. Like I'm more smaller. You guys have a bigger agency and are you guys fully remote as well? hundred percent remote. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where the, the communication is even harder because you can't just, you know, pop down, down the hall to the office and say like, Hey, what's going on? Or like, Hey, let's chat through this. Um, instead of, instead of here, you have to actually like schedule something into a calendar and make sure that it works on everyone's schedule. Yeah. It's interesting. I think we, I mean, this is the only way I've ever worked online. Like in terms of marketing, everything has been online. So this is the world I grew up in, in terms of the agency life. And so it's all pretty seamless to me because I do hear that a lot. Like in most businesses, they're struggling with the online workspace because they're so used to the streamlined everyone's in the office. Whereas for us, it's pretty seamless to have the different Slack groups that you need to be a part of for specific conversations you need to be a part of. We typically just have it understood that no matter what, you're available in general working hours, or at least we know what your working hours are. So we can easily say, hey, we're going to jump on a call in like 5, 10, 15 minutes. But we're also so flexible that we say, if that doesn't work for you, we can find a decent time. And we can usually get that call in within 24 hours if we have to have it. And most of the time we notice that you don't really need a call. If it could be boiled down into a Slack conversation that takes 15 minutes, that's pretty much as efficient as it needs to be. Or it's time to jump on the actual phone, unless they're in a different state and it's a Slack huddle. Yeah. Yeah. For the most part, it's been either like Slack huddles, uh, Loom videos. Uh, They're a little bit one-sided, but I still think you're able to communicate the big point with all the context you ha- you need to back back that point up within like a five minute loom video and those have been really really helpful um and also for me it's just been like sharing exactly what i'm doing because everyone sees me as like the ceo or the founder or whatever like i think that other people perceive me as like i can get away with things but i started 
uh, recently posting in our like end of day, like summary channel, which is just like, Hey, what, what are like five things you worked on today? Or like, how's your energy? How's your productivity? Um, I started posting into that. And I noticed that there was a lot more, I guess, welcomed feedback from my employees of like what I've been working on. And they understand like, okay, like, you know, if I wasn't on Slack all day, it's not that I wasn't working all day. It's I was busy working on this one specific topic where I was busy doing like sales meetings all day. So that has been really, really powerful for me. I think communication from the top down is huge, especially for that exact reason, for the buy-in, right? Like if you have, you know, these initiatives that you want your team doing, if they see that you're doing them, you set the standard of what that type of, you know, initiative should look like. I do something similar every Friday. I do a big, like a big week uh, update because mm-hmm. we don't have people like, you know, submitting what they're working on and what they're doing. Uh, Cause we generally are communicating all day, every day. So we, we kind of know, and we can see it in the ad accounts or like the, you, you know, e- email people are generally writing their copy or designing their emails. But at the end of every week, we'll say, Hey, this is the update on what the pipeline looks like. The different things that Eric and I are working on in terms of getting, you know, automated reporting built out, uh, how we're looking at structuring this and some of the things that are top of mind and, uh, and like a general, like also like I do a little bit of value uh, posting of something that like is either like self-help so that everyone feels like they're like learning a little bit. I read a lot yeah. of books. And so like it kind of sinks into those things sneak into just how I talk anyways. And on top of that, core values have been a huge proponent of our business and how we determine who we work with and how we, who we hire and build out how everybody works and the output and efficiency. And I sprinkle in those core values into every update. Our core values are communication, curiosity, uh, fearlessness, humility, and ownership. And one or two or three of those words are going to get sneaked into every like update in a way that encourages these types of ways of being. Um, if not, we actually have like self scores on those core values. One out of five divided by 15 um, times 100 gives you your percent. But uh, yeah, actually- I think commu- communication top down is huge. I was going to say, that's actually a really smart way of going about it, of like sprinkling in the core values. I've done that. I'm not as intentional with it, but you bringing that up is always a constant reminder that I should be doing it more often. And I think I'll have to implement that going forward, just being more, because I have, I follow the core values and I'm sure everyone in the business as well, like follows those core values, but it's just keeping that as a constant reminder, not only to myself, because I have like a placard right here behind me. You can't see it off on camera, but that I read every day, but having that for the employees and everyone on the team, I think is very, very important. I think it's also a really good note to end on here. What's the best place to find you um, or the sweatpants agency? I'm pretty active on Twitter. Uh, It's at Landon Shaw II. So it's the second Uh, LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn and Facebook, Landon Shaw, Uh, Landon Shaw, the second usually is how you can find me. Yeah. Fantastic. Thanks again for your time, Landon, and I'll see you in the next one. Awesome. Thanks, Nikita. Thanks again for joining us on the Scaling E-Commerce podcast. If you enjoyed it or learned something new, remember to like, subscribe, and leave a review. It really helps out with the algorithm. If you want email marketing tips delivered straight to your inbox on a weekly basis from yours truly, then check out the link below or in the show notes to subscribe and join my newsletter.
If you're a D2C brand with at least 10,000 email subscribers and interested in starting a conversation to work together, then go to aspectagency.com and we'd love to chat with you. And if you wanna stay up to date with anything email and SMS, just follow me on Twitter at Nikita Vakrushev or check the show notes for the link. With that said, I'm Nikita and I'll see you in the next one.